Welcome to the Punter's Preamble. No Dinopolis today. He's got his dancing shoes on. Off to the big dance at Ramwick. But my eyes are firmly focused on Flemington. So we'll be having a look here at the Cup. One of very few podcasts out there covering the Melbourne Cup in the next 24 hours, I would imagine. And I am joined by the great Brad Bishop. How are you, Brad? Yeah, not too bad. You talk about Simon, uh, you've got his dancing shoes on. He'd be skipping to uh, Randwick because he's excited about the big dance. He gave us a really good push for Cisco Bay in the dance there. I've never seen anyone so excited about a race on the first Tuesday in November. Yeah, he's got big dance fever. Now he's he's brought right in, although that could come crashing down if Cisco Bay doesn't deliver. I think he's, uh, as you say, his big dance interest is that he thinks he's found big overs, which is um, yeah. plenty of reason to get excited about a race. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to concentrate on the Melbourne Cup, though. It's always a fascinating race. At the time of recording, we're down to 23 runners with the scratching of Point Nepean and Luna Flair is also under some sort of injury cloud. So we don't know exactly how many runners there are going to be there, but everyone that is there is nice and excited. So many punters out there. What do you make of the lineup that we've assembled for the Melbourne Cup in 2022? I think it's a fascinating betting lineup. I think it would be a bit rich to declare it a strong Melbourne Cup. Um, we've, we're missing the Caulfield Cup winner, the Metrop winner, the Mooney Valley Cup winner. We've got no, the Derby winner's not here, the Oaks winner isn't here. So we're, um, we're light on for those, those sort of horses we expect to be lining up against one another here. So I think it's a, and a quick scan of the timeform ratings as well would tell you that the average is down a little bit. Um, similar to last year, but what it doesn't have is incentivise. And in, instead of incentivise, we replace him with Gold Trip. And I went back to 1990 and I found one Melbourne Cup 2007 Torquette was the horse in the race with the highest time form rating at 122. Gold Trip is rated 123 by time form, and that is the second lowest in that in that time span all the way back to 1990, which we could probably conveniently label the modern era. So um, it's probably lacking for top-end talent, but in a way that leads me more to the top-end talent, if that makes sense. I'm with you absolutely 100% in, in that regard. I learned a lesson out of last year's Melbourne Cup. It, it, I didn't think it was a very strong addition once you looked beyond the class, but we were so used to, with Melbourne Cup, looking away from horses at the top of the weights because it's very rare that they were the ones fighting out the finish. But last year, the three place getters all had 57 kilos and they had a very long tail last year's Melbourne Cup and... I think you just pointed out there that this year is, is no stronger and we've got a horse who's got some pretty good form lines at the top. He, I don't love that he's exposed two kilos away from the second highest weighted horse, Gold Trip, but he's the one that, that I've gravitated to. What we're going to do here is we'll go through a few individually and then we might do a wrap of some others who might be a little bit over the odds. And there we go. I've started off with Gold Trip. I've declared my hand nice and early. We might as well kick things off with the horse at the top of the weights. What do you make of his prospects? Yeah, I think he he is one of the better chances profile-wise. I think I'll um I'll rattle off some numbers here, which will make you feel good about liking Gold Trip, Brad. That's always a good way to good yeah. way to play this. So you talk about horses being up in the weights, and and we've tended or punters have tended perhaps to gravitate towards the lesser horses. If you split them down the middle, which is about fifty-four kilos, you'll find again we'll, we use that little time period back to nineteen ninety there. The impact value, which is basically a strike rate over the top of an expected strike rate of horses greater than 54 kilos, is 1.7 times stronger than that of horses with 54 or less. And the market has actually expected 34 winners 
in that time. There's only been 32, 32 races in that time, but the market has demanded 34 winners from those 32 races, such as rounding, because I'm using the official SP there. And those over 54 kilos have delivered their 17 winners, and those under 54 have not, only giving them 15. So runners beaten as well. If you look at, let's look at every one of those runners. There's, I think there's, from memory, about 700 runners in that, in that time span. The ones under 54 have beaten about 48% of horses home leaving 52% to those over 54. So if there is any pattern there, it is that those up in the weight slightly overachieve. I think if you sit back and think about it, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but it does point to, if anything, we tend to overvalue, overvalue those horses who are getting the little weight pull and probably undervalue the more talented horses at the top. Yeah, well, he, he's earned his weight. We, we just needed a preparation from him where he got a little bit of continuity because he, he had his battles last spring just getting a run. And then we've seen him string some runs together in what are pretty good races uh, heading into a Melbourne Cup. He was midfield or a touch worse in the Cox Plate, but probably didn't have opportunity to, every opportunity to fulfil the best um, finishing position there just in terms of uh, the trouble he encountered in Spencer the Spencer gave him a dud steer is what you're trying to say. <laughs> That's what I'm trying <laughs> to say politely. But and that is one thing. Mark Zara's had a couple of rides on him this preparation and the talk that I've heard in going into the race is that they know that he's really only got a, a short, sharp sprint, um, which was on show in the Caulfield Cup. So I actually love the fact that he's going back on because he would have learned a little bit about him in the two rides that he has had. So I don't mind barrier 14. The one little niggle I've got with him is whether he's going to run 3,200 metres with that 57.5 kilos. So that, that, the, the distance is more of a niggle from my point of view than the weight, um, but I'm happy to side with him off the fact that he's coming through the best races. Yeah, the historical weight thing is going to interest some people because he, plain and simply, he's, as I said before, with the with the time form ratings and the best horse in, in the race sort of thing, only Torquate's been rated lower as the, the highest rated horse in the race before we factor in weight. So he is not as good as the horse that is typically asked to give weight all around in a Melbourne Cup. So that's going to be some niggle, but that's offset somewhat by the, the standard of the field below him and, and he must have a great chance. Do you see rip my heart out in that Caulfield Cup, I must say, and it's um, <laughs> it's going to take some uh, some willpower to turn around and, and butter up again. But he, he's probably one, I'll, I'll fence-sit on him. I think he's, um, I wouldn't be steering anyone out of him, but he's not going to be the one that I, I end up really gravitating to. What about the favourite Deauville legend? This, this is um, the most interesting runner. It is the favourite, uh, getting in very, very tight. Karen McAvoy to ride, chasing the fourth Melbourne Cup success. How do you marry him up. We've heard a lot about how he needs to carry a bit more weight than these other Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds that have won the race in the past. Is he up to it? Yeah, he's an he's just an absolute dream horse for the uh, tipsters and pundits, Brad, because we get, to, we get to sit back here. I tweeted this out yesterday just to stir up a few tipsters and then I'm going to come on here and do exactly what I made fun of people for doing myself, which is to <laughs> he picks himself. His form is fantastic. His profile is is brilliant. The last five winners of the Great Voltager at York have gone on to win at Group One level, and we're talking you know, horses like Cracksman and, and Pile Driver, who won the the King George this year. The, it's a good horses race, as I said. Last five have gone on to win real Group Ones. Even a bad winner last year in your beer turned around and won the the Breeders' Cup turf. So. It's a good horse's race, and he was a good winner of it, won it with a, a good deal of authority. So, yeah, as I said, a perfect horse for the tipsters because what we do is we say he's the right favourite, good favourite, absolutely, oh, on top pick, absolutely, but he's too short, 
to Bob each way. I think is is pretty much the the play, and he's obviously generated a lot of market interest in the build up to this this cup. He's, he's easy to find for one, and promotions and such have, have made him a, a very popular and interesting horse. So um, his place in the market there looks a little bit manufactured to me in in the early market. And betting around him will be so interesting tomorrow. He's inside four dollars on the exchanges and such at the moment, which is crazy in in a way. Um, but then again, his his form is is terrific, and I wouldn't be particularly worried about that weight. It's interesting when we look at um, horse like like obviously the the lean there is going to be El Bodegon running so well off having been hammered by Doville Legend at, at York there last time, and and yeah, turning around, coming across rated you know down in the one fifteen sixteen region and running one hundred and twenty four in, in a Cox Plate, and we've seen Cross Counter. You know, there's easy ones just to to quickly draw on off that voltager as well. Cross Counter was rated much the same as as Doville Legend, even though he was beaten, but he ran much the same race at York as, as what we've measured Doville Legend as running, and, and he came down here and starred winning a, a, a Melbourne Cup and, and running 125, so he improved over to here. But if you do go through all of these runners from the voltage, there are nine that have turned up and run here, and, and you know, Cross Counter is the exception rather than the rule. So I suppose if you're if you're leaning on, you know, he's cross counter. Well, you've probably got to consider Nelson and Norway and Sir Lucan and Youth Spirit and these sort of horses who have also come off of good enough runs anyway in, in the voltage and, and not quite turned up in Australia. So it's not a it's not foolproof, that's for sure. But he um he looks very straightforward. And speaking to connections in the in the UK, there the the thinking is that he's just really straightforward and he'll stay further as well. So I'm not really one to, to get into the that sort of stuff and speculating on that, but he does look a, a very straightforward and bred for the job sort of horse. Yeah, he's hard to knock. Um, plenty will look at that price factor that you spoke about early on, but there's no way known he starts $3.50. The horses that go up short straight after the draw, they tend to trip. Like Fame Game was, I think he was three twenty after the draw or something, and he ended up going yeah. around $4.40 or $4.60. Incentivised was... Two thirty after the draw last year, he got out to two dollars ninety. I think these horses that go up what looks to be a little bit under at the top of the market, they do drift on race day. So I certainly wouldn't be taking three fifty if you do like him because it wouldn't shock me if he starts with a four. Yeah. Uh, for his name, I think I'm making fun of tipsters and pundits and myself for um, for playing that card, but it is grounded in truth, isn't it? He is. He is clearly the favourite, but that early price does look, as I said, manufactured, so it, it probably is wrong. But gee, ticks, he does fit the profile so so beautifully well. It's, as I said, it's become a really good horses race, and, and he's one in this field that maybe we're a little bit light on for good horses, so we're looking for that you know big star to, to win a Melbourne Cup, but he's one that could run up to you know sort of the 10-year standard. You could easily envisage him running up to the 10-year standard for, for winning a Melbourne Cup, and that is not true of a good portion of them. So the appeal is, um, the appeal is obvious. And here's a stat around him. I'm going to pull a little bit of history says for you here. This this has absolutely no bearing on his prospects tomorrow. But Fiorente was the last favourite to win the Melbourne Cup. And before him, you go back to Maccabi Diva. So that is one in the last 16 editions of the Melbourne Cup. It's not a fantastic statistic uh, if you are looking at something that um, you might want to try and convince people uh, the favourite's not the way to go. But he will defy that trend if he's able to get the money there tomorrow. Let's have a look at some of the other internationals, a couple in particular. Without a fight, this is this is the one that I, I really like. He's got the same weight as Doville Legend, probably not as good a horse as Doville Legend, but what he he's a little bit more seasoned. Uh, he's a Northern Hemisphere five-year-old, so he's got a couple of extra seasons under his belt, and he's one that I can see really running a race there. He's well named. I think he's a I think he's a very willing bugger. 
Um, and I like that about him. And, and basically his only miss in recent times is when he ran in the, the Shima in, in Dubai and they rode him quietly off a, off a slow pace against top notches and, you know, easy to forgive that. That was a they made a, a tactical misread in a in a race that was already beyond him. So easy to easy to think that he's he's here to run really, really well. He doesn't quite for me tick the the established form box. As I said, I'm looking for that. And if we look through the last ten winners, eight of them have been pretty well established as on you know, time form or time form with a twist. Twat ratings anyway. The um they've all been well established over 120 and gone on to be even a little bit better than that in the Melbourne Cup itself. So it's it's taken a really strong performance. Bar two. And that was Prince of Penzance and Bow and Declare. They're the sort of out of the box one. But the thing about those two Melbourne Cups is they were both run at farcical, farcical tempos. The finishing speed in, in both of those was well over 110%, which in that time are the, the two slowest run Melbourne Cups. So they turned into bunch finishes and they basically tilted it over towards, you know, from skill to luck, if you like. Um, without a fight for mine is a little bit short of being what we expect to see winning a Melbourne Cup. Now, maybe I need to lower my threshold a bit because, as we're saying, the Melbourne Cup might not be as strong this year. Um, and if I do that, I can I can get him there. He ticks a, a last start box for me because I think he was good behind a good horse, even though it was a small field at Newmarket last start. That's not a bad little race, actually, at Newmarket, and I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit for that. It has him on the, the fringes, but he doesn't quite tick the ratings fringes with me going back, and I'm holding his consistency against him a little bit. He, time form, I've got him running 116 in his last three starts, and I'm saying he's very willing and very consistent, very reliable, but maybe he's given himself up. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. That's, you, well, you helped me out with, um, confidence levels around Gold Trip, but not necessarily doing it there with yeah, uh, without a fight. Who I've who I've got in my trifecta. I suppose what about my point that I'm sort of loosely making? I guess is that I think he's a. You're not going to get unless you're playing unless you're playing the sweeps. You're not going to get really paid for running fourth or fifth. He's probably no. a, a terrific chance of running really well and keeping them all very honest because he is. Um, but he might just lack that knockout punch that a few of the others have got. Yeah, well, I hope they well, there are. Anyway. There are plenty of markets there. They're top five, top ten, but he's only around about ten or eleven bucks to win the race. So you're not getting a spoil there with him in those markets if you want to play them. What about who you mail? This one interests me from the perspective that I'd be fascinated to know what price this horse was if it didn't go around in the St. Ledger last start out mm. when it finished eighth of ninth. Because if you go back to the previous form, it's spot on for a Melbourne Cup and measures up quite nicely against the likes of Doville legend. And the, the thing that interests me about that St. Ledger when he finished down the track, that race was run two days before the announcement of the weights for the Melbourne Cup. So oh, uh, silly buggers. Gets, gets in with 53 and a half, Craig Williams to ride. <laughs> I'm not ruling him out. So he, they've hooked him in the uh, in the ledger, Doncaster. I, I didn't I didn't go that far. <laughs> but, um, it, was, it was something that stood out when I actually had a look and tried to put that run into perspective. So I'm I'm actually not sure that that might have been what they were doing that day. But going back to the previous form um, and what I suggested there about it measuring up nicely with the likes of Dovell Legend, um, mm. would you give him a push? That I mean, you make a really good point. It is his price is, and for good reason. That's we know that that is somewhat predictive. But his price is very hooked to that last start. Sorry to use the word hooked again. Um, it is interesting. So the time form comment there, travelled well, hung left, looked none too keen, and then their overall comment, signs of temperament. So they think he might have curled his toes up at the end of uh, the, the ledger there. They think he was perhaps not so willing, and, and maybe he's had enough. Maybe it's been a long season, and maybe he's a questionable stayer. And I think that had been 
some sort of niggle all along. The race before that was a a four horse race and a, and a very weak one, run at a slow pace that he, he managed to get away with there. But you're right, his his chance, and I can see people could could anchor thing. You know, you need a fun fact to anchor your tip to, right? And I think the fun fact for him is well, the the Derby placing is is terrific, and even though he was very lucky to run second, he still runs third, even if the the third horse gets a fair crack at things and, and runs straight past him, which he would have and should have. Um, he's still got a, a derby placing there at Epsom, which obviously makes for, for great reading. And then, yeah, Goodwood. He starts 6-1 to one and inside 14-1, to one, Dover Legend. So there's something there for the, the SP profiles. Dover Legend took a step forward. It was a you know well-run race. The time figure was tremendous at, at Goodwood in the Gordon that day behind a really good winner. Um, but there's not miles and miles between them of that. And as I said, pre-race, the expectation was that Huyamal was, was ahead of Dover Legend. So that's changed quickly in the last two starts. And I think... I, I certainly wouldn't be. I'm certainly not suggesting that he should be starting anywhere near the price of Deville Legend, but there is something there if you're tipping him. Yeah, should probably be somewhere in between. But Twenty to one, maybe is a little bit over the odds. Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bot, the trainers. Let's have a look at a few of the locals as well. On the second line of betting, I wouldn't have predicted this um, last week even. Realm of Flowers. They have really come for her. She's into single figure odds. Uh, the trendy dark probably, horse. Yeah, well, she was considered a leading hope um, after she won the Ramson and booked her spot uh, in the race last year. Didn't really come up last spring, but hard to knock in her, her past couple of starts. But like the, the Sydney lead-up form's never really been the form for the Melbourne Cup. Like coming out of the Metrop, she was unlucky in the Metropolitan, but I, I don't think we've had a Melbourne Cup winner come through the Metrop since Saintly. Um, hardly been any place getters, so. I'm looking around this form. Can you say anything that might want me to reconsider where she sits in my pecking order? No, her. I mean, I don't think she'll lose because it says Metropolitan in the race book next to her name last start. But what I she has caught me a little bit by surprise with the the trendy push for her, and and there's some sharp minds out there that want to tell you that this is a a great race for her. As I said before, over the journey, the the trendy lightweight has been outperformed by the established star up the top and she's so she's a lot of your a lot of the interest in her has to be because she's got a good weight pull on those horses above her as opposed to just pound for pound talent um and you're right losing a metropolitan even if it's narrowly and you know she all but won the metropolitan even so that's that's typically and measurably not good enough you would it would be some sort of surprise if that was good enough to win here so she has to elevate to another level now she promised to do that back in 2021 and i suppose that that Ramsden win was um, – it was something. It was something. And at that point, she was, you know, well fancied to, to win a Melbourne Cup. So she's she's had a down spring there and, and obviously come back to, to something. Well, I'm, I'm saying she's come right back to that Ramsden form just about their last start in the Metropolitan. So I can sort of see the angle. But as I said, she looks very well found now for one that needs to take a, a big step forward and that historically has underperformed, albeit slightly. Sticking with theirs, Montefilia, she's one that's a bit of a head-scratcher. She was the eye-catcher, or one of the eye-catchers in the Caulfield Cup, thumping home down the outside. But the race was run to suit her. Um, she was, I think she's a doubt at the 3,200 metres. We won't know until she has a crack at it. Um, and it's, it sounds a little bit silly to say that off what we saw the eyes guys, as you like to call them, with her <laughs> flashing home to uh, get into fourth spot in the Caulfield Cup. What do you make of her prospect? Yeah, is that the – so we say run to suit her, but it was run to suit her her speed, I suppose. Is that what we're, we're saying? Because yeah. it was slowly run and she was able to show – you know, she's a 
classy filly that has a change of gears. Um, so I suppose we've we've got some we're expecting, and but I've said this about a few races in Melbourne this spring, but we are expecting a strong pace, aren't we? There would have to be. You've got the, the two. Serpentine was was better on Saturday. You think he's going to run along? Um, Knight's order is going to be there, and after his last three starts, there have been no shortage of people that have been informing the interpretation camp that this bloke's best chance is to get out and bowl along. And he's drawn to um, bounce out and be right up on speed as well. He's got a light weight. So amongst those three, you think they'd be up there and hopefully they'd be ensuring that it's run at um, some sort of gallop anyway. I wish they figured that out with interpretation two starts back. Um, well, As opposed well, to here. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, if you're on at a, a, a big price, from a couple of months ago, uh, he's in a race, you've got a live ticket, and they've had a couple of opportunities to finally work out what needs to happen, um, and hopefully it all comes together for him uh, tomorrow. But um, I, I can't say that I'm him. hoping for that, Brad. Uh, well, well I'm, I am on at the big price from about <laughs> okay. two months ago, so I'm clinging on to a ticket that my confidence has diminished mm. with each passing start, but the ticket is still there. So um, if he wins, I won't be losing on the race, but we've now moved away from the horse that we so, were Yeah, we're talking about, about Montefilia, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, what about Montefilia's prospects? <laughs> she is bang there on, on rating. So her her niggle, and I think that was the point you were raising there, and I think it's an interesting one, is 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 the shape of the race going to suit her? Because I think for talent, she's right there. She's where pre-race the last. If I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the average basically, and 8 out of 10, as I said, basically fit this mould, that they're at least this good or better, and that they're and that they're in some sort of form of, of their last start. And that's without necessarily needing to be at their peak last start, but in some sort of form. That seems to be, I mean, it's a very simple recipe, but it's been a good one. You don't want to overcomplicate these things. Based on that, she's got a terrific chance, Montefilia, one of the better chances in the race because she does have that peak form and she could, she's one of probably only about four in the race that I think could genuinely turn up here and maybe four and a half, could turn up here and put up a really good Melbourne, you know, up to standard Melbourne Cup winner. I think if it's not one of, my big four and a half, I, I think it's going to be won by, you know, it's going to be a low-rating Melbourne Cup, almost certainly. Um, so I think the the niggle with her has to be, yeah, if we get a strong pace in, in heavy ground, does that dull her a little bit and take away what, what works for her? We saw her react poorly to a strong pace in the in the hill stakes there behind Cascadia and she ran really flat. But she had had just a soft run first up there behind Animo. That was a, a bit of a doddle around there in the... Um, in the George Main, that was her first up run, and she went straight off that into a into a really surprisingly, actually, but surprisingly high pressure race. And as I said, she um she looked really flat, but clearly took no ill effect from it. Bounced straight off it and back right around her best, or just shy just shy of it. That's what I actually like. She's she's turned up in the Caulfield Cup and run just shy of it, and, and given herself room to to really peak up for this. So I think they'll be looking at the heavens and and hoping that we get away with. You know, the good side of soft, it's going to be soft, but I think they'll be hoping for soft, not heavy, and, and they'll be hoping that the pace is um, more typical than than strong. And I think they're, they're a pretty good chance on the pace one. I don't know about the weather. Yeah, they're, they're expecting rain through the day tomorrow, and that's the, that's the big problem. The day in Melbourne on Monday hasn't been too bad. There's been no rain, but it's expected to come tonight and also tomorrow throughout the race meeting. So that throws up all sorts of possibilities, so that might be a negative there for Montefilia. One more that I want to talk specifically about, and that is the horse that I was keen on in the Caulfield Cup. You told me I was a fool 
the horse ran down the track. This, this was smoking Romans, but I don't think he had every opportunity to perform to his best in the Caulfield Cup. And for that reason, he's one that I also think is over the odds because his previous form is good. And the thing about him is this is the race he's been set for all along. Wins in the naturalism and the Turnbull Stakes, they were bonuses along the way. If he runs a place in the Caulfield Cup, which I think he might have done had he been able to get out and rolling a little bit earlier than what he was, then there's no way known he would be the price he is now. And like I say, this has been the target all along. Gets him with 51.5 J Carter ride. Yeah, my point with him here will be much the same as my uh, cold water throwing point in the Caulfield Cup, which was that he's he's basically stolen a Turnbull and he's not that good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I th- I think the Turnbull was a very hard race to to take much from. I didn't want to I didn't want to take a lot out of that race at all. It was essentially a, a barrier trial for a lot of Cups horses. The Turnbull this year, um, and for mine, if we're if we are going to look back to that Turnbull, I'm I'm looking back and having the same view I did off that Turnbull into the Caulfield Cup. I'm thinking who were the better horses going into that Turnbull? What did we expect going into that Turnbull before it turned into a farce? And they were the top two here. So we've already we've already talked about Gold Trip, and, and he obviously came out and ran straight back towards his best in the Caulfield Cup. Juice underwhelmed. She underwhelmed in the Turnbull. She should have done. I think we all expected more in, in the Turnbull. I think her first two runs this preparation, we're happy to say, yeah, that's fine. She was um she had a little setback before the first up run. It didn't really pan out. And she was okay. Her late work there was was fine. She was okay second up as well. I think in the Turnbull we expected more. In the Caulfield Cup we probably expected more, but. Did she do enough late in the piece? Again, we got a slowly run race there, so we just she just hasn't had a crack at all, Juice. She got a slowly run race there, and she did just start to put the ears back late in the piece there. She's only beaten two and a half lengths. Um, she looked the cup's horse coming into the spring. She was sort of probably being set up as one of the stars of the spring. Um, has she underwhelmed? And her ratings, I have to say, they come in a little bit short of where I would want them to be to, to really start stamping around and, and saying this is a horse you want to back. But maybe we need to be a little bit forgiving. Maybe the fact that the Caulfield Cup has turned into a sort of sit and sprint as well as has worked against her. I love Hugh. I no knock at all on Josh Parr, but Hugh Bowman in, into this. Do you remember his ride on Marmelo? He's going to win one of these, isn't he, Hugh? And and this is a this got a bit of a feel about it, Juice. As I said, I'm looking for the horse who could actually turn up here and, and post a a big Melbourne Cup winning rating. Well we roll back to the Australian Cup and the Tankard. She's one that can post a big Melbourne Cup winning rating. She could win a real Melbourne Cup, and we might be saying this is a, a slightly down Melbourne Cup, so she could. There's a scenario in there where she's way, way, way over the odds, and that's, again, that's the sort of thing I'm looking for. I'm looking for a scenario where one of them could be priced completely wrong, and I think had things gone a little bit differently, and I think the, the evidence against is a little bit inconclusive, well, she could be one of you know, she's single figures here, isn't she? Well, I'll tell you something that does not appear in the form guide that might be a good pointer towards towards her prospects is I'm off. I've been on <laughs> for several runs this preparation. I'm done with her. So uh, that might be what she needs just to spark her up and get her over the line. Mm, in she's starting to look like a six to one chance to meet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's shortening by the second, and especially after the declaration of that information. What about um, you? Talk about horses that are over the odds, Juice. Is one for you. One that I like is Young Verta. He is forty-one dollars, and I spoke about Gold Trip coming through proper races. Young Verta is doing exactly the same thing. He resumed um, just in a handicap at Flemington over seventeen hundred metres. Then he ran a place in the Turnbull, which 
you've just spoken about there, maybe it was a Melbourne Cup trial for him because he is a horse that Danny O'Brien likes to keep to Flemington where possible. They didn't bother with the Caulfield Cup because he doesn't like Caulfield, so he had to spin around in the Fox Plate. That race did not suit him. He has been trained to peak for this day. The, the niggle I've got with him is the Cox Plate was only a really slowly run race, and um, he, he, it prob- that he probably wasn't um, what they were after uh, for him for that, that final hit out, but it certainly didn't knock him around. And this has been the goal all along at his favourite track. I think $41 is crazy about him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to knock you down this time. He was the, uh, when I said four and a half, he's the half. His winning yep. record is poor, but gee, he's been set a task more than once. Um, and going to the Cox Plate instead of the Caulfield Cup was one of those tasks. I was screaming at the nominations every time I saw them. Why wasn't he in the Metropolitan? Go and win a race. Um, terrific horse, though. His Turnbull run's fine. His Cox Plate run is, as he said, they didn't. It wasn't a uh, searching test of talent around the valley there the other day. So his proximity to f- a few better horses potentially flatters him a, a little bit. But if we peel back 12 months, his other Turnbull placing is a really strong Turnbull placing, chasing incentivise in a real race. Um, the talent is there. The talent is there. And he is on the cusp of both last start and overall ratings-wise that I was, I was talking about before. And he gets that nice little weight pull. He's, he's by having a poor winning record. It didn't help Gold Trip, but it's helped him. He's um, he's beaten the handicapper. They they like to say, well, he hasn't beaten many. He hasn't won in any races. If you owned a horse as good as him and you had one photo on the wall, how'd you feel? <laughs> and and that's the Geelong maiden. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he won some some group three race as a three year old. It was his first start in a race in a Geelong maiden. Mm, but he does look. He looks fantastic. Blowout to me. And I talked about I I don't hate the idea of having Hugh Bowman on side. I don't hate the idea of having Damien Lane on side in in this either. Yep, well, I'm glad that you're, uh, you've endorsed my long-range selection there. Are, there. are there any that we have not touched on in our individual summary of some of these leading prospects and some that might be over the odds that uh, you think are worth a mention? Yeah, same thresholds. He, he comes up just short, but I did give Stockman a long and lengthy look. I absolutely love the stable. I th- His late splits on Saturday were... Um, a throwback. And if we're calling it a throwback Melbourne Cup, that's a, a throwback little campaign, isn't it? Having the 2,000-metre burn around on, on the Saturday there. And, yeah, his, his late work said he's uh, he's flying at the moment, Stockman. Joe, I was I would say Joe Pride is flying, but I don't think he's ever out of sorts. So it's it's hard to say Joe Pride's in form when you're never out. Um, yeah, exactly. But So Stockman is one that I, I did give him a, a, a lengthy look, and he's a horse I, I really like. But ultimately, I'm... Uh, I'm cast in the role of ratings man and, and I can't do it. I mean, Juace, <laughs> who I'm going to throw in on top here, did absolutely belt him in a tankard. And you touched on the, the old style spin around the Saturday before. The thing with him, though, his spin around happened in Sydney. I'm worried about he's, had a, he's going to have a very, very busy three days in the lead up to the, to the Melbourne Cup. Mm, I thought the same. Oh, he didn't win, but I thought the same of Sharp and Smart on Saturday and he ran just about as well as he as he had in Sydney. So um, maybe, we're, maybe we overfit things a, a little bit on that. I think we um, default to Jay Pride, I think. If, if Pride thinks that this is the, the right campaign, then who am I to argue because he's got a fantastic record? If Maybe not so much in the Melbourne Cup, but in general. And so that will surely, if, if he sets his mind to it and starts having more runners in the Melbourne Cup and, and getting more ammo for this sort of race, um, the results will follow because, yeah, I'd... 
Other other trainers might have more big results than him, but I would make a case that there's no more talented trainer in the country. Well, there's a big rap for Joe Pride. So he's one that you can entertain. You just mentioned you've got Jewis on top. What about... Um, we're doing the, the top four and Ruffy. The we're, top we're, four numbers, yeah. We're playing the formula. It's good because I've bagged people for doing exactly this. I'm going to do exactly what I make fun of people for doing. What you have to do, Melbourne Cup Day. Tip four, throw Doville Legend in for second and say he should be favourite. Apps, coward's way out, isn't it? Coward's way out. Uh, Dewace on top for me, ahead of Doville Legend, because I think she is the better bet and the one that's more likely to be priced wrong. Then Montefilia and Gold Trip and Young Verta is the blowout. Oh, beautiful. We're in sync with a Ruffy. I think we've been doing that RSN radio show uh, for the past two or three months and there haven't been so many times where we're, we've been, been aligned on something. That uh, This is one, best Ruffy in the Melbourne Cup, Young Verta. For my top four, I've got Gold Trip on top, Doville Legend in for second. We've both done it. Without, <laughs> we, we've both done it, yes. What a without, couple uh, of without, cowards. Without a fight for third, and Smoking Romans, I'm not leaving him out. If he uh, wins, I will be making some money on the race. So numbers 1, 6, 19 and 8 for me. Number 11, Young Bertha, the best. Ruffy, as you mentioned, it's not the greatest Melbourne Cup we've ever seen, but the winner's going to go down in history, and it's going to be a great race. The whole country will be watching. I'm really looking forward to it. If I back you ace at 30s and she wins, it might be the greatest Melbourne Cup I've ever seen. <laughs> you I'll, will I'll remember it <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll speak to you.